The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Assalamu alaikum and a very good morning. The to following program is a repeat. Monday, Please do not message or call in. September. Any announcements may. Shamiza taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on the Urban Cube. This morning, we are discussing university, um, and uh, because we're following on from the Inspire FM student life section, going on to university with where, and there's lots of uh, mums and dads and brothers and sisters saying goodbye to their siblings, starting and their children starting this wonderful new chapter in their life. And on today's show, we're going to be giving a few tips to for mums and dads and students, if they're listening in, uh, about university life and how to kind of well equip yourselves. Um, we would would be wonderful to find out from you guys if there's any tips that you could give to potential students going away. Um, apart from the, the topic of universities, I'm going to be also talking to great guests um, on the phone um, this morning, locally and nationally, I'm going to be sp- speaking to celebrity sh- chef Shanaz Ayub, who's going to be talking to us about life after 50 and empowering oneself through exercise and life changes. She'll be talking to us about life after 50, but I'll be also asking her about food for students living away, some getting some tips from her as well, because as I've already mentioned, she is a celebrity chef with a very, very cool series for the love of food um on uh, islam channel the episodes are still continuing and she is also the author of perfectly easy indian cooking so be some good tips to get from her plus i'm going to be joined by a guest all the way from birmingham um i'll be talking to a gentleman by the name of imran hamid who is the uh co-founder or the founder of the Salma Food Bank and also Bearded Bros. Now, he's a community activist who's done tremendous work in uniting the community um, surrounding him in the West Midlands through the food bank that he founded um, in memory of his late mother. And this work has really uh, gone to... It's really touched the core of the community of Birmingham. So it'd be wonderful to find out about all the the amazing projects that he does with the Selma Food Bank and the work that he's doing via Bearded Bros. Now, from one bearded bro to a bearded hiker, um, I'm going to be joined by one of the bearded hikers, which are, or beardy Beardy hikers, um, as part as they are a tremendous group of brothers who were part of the Three Peak Challenge, and this was a challenge with uh, with climbing three of the highest mountains across England, Scotland, and Wales in 24 hours. And the purpose of this hike was to fundraise for a centre, a, a centre in in Luton for Friends of Bright Eyes, which is a disability charity. Um, and I'll be speaking to Ethesham Khan, who's going to be sharing with his journey because the the brothers, um, Bilal uh, Hussein, who spoke to us about the hike, this was about three weeks ago, he uh, shared 
the preparation of this journey and alhamdulillah they actually managed to achieve the hike in 24 hours um, and I'm just catching up with Ed Sham to find out how that experience was and also getting to find out how much money has been fundraised and how far um, that what the next process is because it's a disability centre that um, a dedicated centre in Luton that um, the hikers or the bearded hikers are wanting to fundraise for um, and it'd be good to find out how far they've got. Now on the show um, I'm also asking you guys are there any tips um, that you would give yourself uh, now looking back at when you'd actually gone to university what is it that you would have changed um would love to find out from you on 07779481822 now this show is the urban cube it is four minutes past 10 monday 23rd of september i'm shamiza taking it all the way to 12 o'clock it's been two weeks off air i'm glad to be back keeping your company guys and um as always, look forward to finding out your thoughts on any of the topics we're going to be speaking about today. Now, I'm going to be speaking to no other than Shanaz Ayub. She is a uh, local lady who's really making her mark in um, the world of food and in particular, uh, easy cooking. That's what she's making a mark in. Uh, she is the lady behind the fabulous series called For the Love of Food. She's also an active member of uh, Women Empowering Women. And she is um, a, a, a senior solicitor, but working very successfully in the field of law. She's a mother of three and um, one of her children is actually at university studying dentistry. So I think she'll be the perfect person to speak to us this morning about how she has prepared herself as a parent sending her child away to university. So today's show is about preparation. How do parents actually deal with sending their children away I've got some great tips that I'm going to be sharing on the show this morning as well plus I'm going to be speaking to Shanaz about um, empowering oneself at 50 does life continue at 50 of course it does but how do you keep yourself motivated um, and energized and looking after your mental well-being and health so I'll be speaking to Shanaz about that um, because that's uh, as somebody the age of 50 she is really you know embracing life and it's been wonderful wonderful to see on my social media how how active folk at, from the age of 50 are lots of women lots of sisters are just out there doing their thing and it's really really inspiring but I'm quite curious, are you somebody that actually lies about your age? Are you somebody when you hit a certain age that actually has has done a bit of a, told a bit of a fib and decided not to tell their proper age, um, depending on circumstance, or maybe a work, you know, putting your name, putting a different age on an application form. Are you that type of person? Do you feel, does ageism impact you um, as a man or a woman when it comes to the working world? Um, or even um, if you're looking for a rishta, okay, do you lie about your age? 
Have you ever lied about your age? We'd love to find out. Lots of topics on the show today. We're talking about university. We're talking about embracing your age, whatever that is. We're talking about people fibbing about their age. And we're also talking about like compassion in the community through food banks. Now, the show is The Urban Cube. It's 07779481822. I'm Shamiza. Now, the weather outside is a little bit, a little bit cold. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wrapped up. And, you know, autumn is really upon us. It was quite warm last week, but this week or today, it seems a little bit cold. I'm actually embracing the cold weather. I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, I'm really liking the, the like, the the slightly dark morning it's it's still still quite bright but i don't know it's given given me a bit of a vibe a a cozy vibe makes me feel like you know having a cup of masala chai and and baranta or baranta um yeah i'm i'm i was wanting that this morning are you somebody that likes um you know baranta in a cold weather sort of is it kind of like autumnal comfort food I pronounce Baranta or Baranta. It's interesting um, the different ways of pronunciation of this. On social media, I'd seen a uh, a meme around the pronunciation of Baranta. Is it Baranta or is it Baranta? How do you pronounce it? So much to talk about. And is that something, you know, you have a weekend or you eat, uh, eat it's leavened, fried chapati in butter it's kind of marinated in butter is that something you have for breakfast at the weekend or is some is that what you have in the week day a little bit heavy on the stomach but it's quite filling feel like having one now is it an early morning breakfast or is it something that you have for brunch um do tell me lots to talk about on today's show it's 07779481822 i'm going to be taking you to a nasheed inshallah this is a safe adam um whilst we play this um I'll be back on the Urban Cube, hopefully catching up with some of your texts that you're sending in to me and some of your messages. If not, um, I'll be giving you some tips to parents about uh, how to cope with sending your child off to university. And it feels like I can see the signs on the horizon Every time you are not around I'm slowly drifting, drifting away Wave after wave, wave after wave I'm slowly drifting, drifting away And it feels like I'm drowning Pulling against the stream I'm pulling against the stream Praise Allah way it is Things will never be the same Oh That's just the way it is Oh yeah Yeah, yeah. A wise man told me that you are the future So this one's out to you, let me paint you a picture Alhamdulillah we have so many brothers But why don't we say salam when we walk past each other our elders are more focused on making profit When we should be teaching the youth the stories of our prophets Peace be upon them, may Allah forgive us The youth are telling me they don't know who to trust 
Everybody deserves a second chance Like Rabia Basme from my homeland Iraq She used to pray from night to light And we take a million selfies just to choose what's nice Wallahi, God is my witness We need to change, the Ummah's in crisis Famous poets with words so righteous When Alama Akbar lines have some of the answers I mean That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I wish I could make it easy Easy to love me, love me But still I reach to find a way I'm stuck here in between I'm looking for the right words to say I'm slowly drifting Drifting away Wave after wave Wave after wave, I'm slowly drifting, drifting away. It feels like I'm drowning, pulling against the stream, I'm pulling against the stream. Praise Allah, our mind will grow. Inshallah, we'll go far. There's a long way to go. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is Oh yeah, yeah, yeah So let's take a step back and look at the bigger picture A time on the surf can't be fixed with an Instagram filter All the sins were accountable for So fear I'll laugh soon, there'll be a knock on the door We've got a chance to make a change, make a difference So let's begin this new day with a new intention So share this message, my brothers and sisters Let us be the change and let's be the difference Yeah Let us be the change and let's be the difference Hardship comes ease. 
Folks, you're listening to The Urban Cube. It's 10.15 with Misha Miser taking all, all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning. Um, I'm going to be playing a few Nasheeds and having conversations with great guests this morning. We're talking about food banks. We're talking about university life. And we're also talking about life after 50. It's all happening on today's show. If you want to join in with any of the conversations, then join us on 07779 481822. Um, on the phone, I'm also going to be joined this morning by no other than um, Salma Salma um, Khan from the Luton Food Bank. This is a Luton Food Bank. She's going to be talking to us about an activity that you guys can get involved with to make sure that we're raising enough food, um, enough uh, finance really to accommodate the supply for the Luton Food Bank. Now, um, on the show, it's not the only food bank founder I'll be talking to. I'll be also talking to Imran Hamid. Um, later on in the show as well. So lots going on this morning. Um, and if you've got any questions or any interest in any of the topics, then don't forget you can contact us on Assalamualaikum, Salma. Um, she, uh, Salma, how are you this morning? Waalaikum salam. Alhamdulillah, I'm good. How are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a bit of an early one for for you. Um, but we're really thank you for having me. As always, <laughs> as always, you've done the school run, right? I have, and oh, you know, Monday mornings is just horrible. Monday mornings is horrible, but you know what? It's the start start of a great week, and and as always, um, the Urban Cube is always on a Monday to motivate you through the week. Now, Salma, it's actually International Happiness at Work Day. Now, you're somebody that I know takes great pride in the work that you do. Um, but the question I ask you is: Are you happy at work today? Alhamdulillah, I am happy. Um, we've got a lovely event coming in the weekend and um, I'm really excited organising it. And the event is, Salma, tell us a little bit more about this event. So um, this event has been organised in partnership with Amra Khan's family. It's um, Basically, Amra passed away um, two years ago on her return from Hajj. Um, and her family did an event for her last year, which um, was water wells mm-hmm. in her name and um, Luton Food Bank was a charity that was close to Amra and um, so the family decided to do an event with us and they chose to do a family fun run Mashallah. so the children can also participate and basically it's a family event so everyone can participate in it and uh, so that's what we're doing we're doing a family fun run this Saturday at 10 o'clock at Wardown Park in memory of Amra Wow, what a beautiful memory and legacy um, f- being left for Sister Amra. May she be granted Janet for those. Um, it's it's, a, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for the community to come together. And Luton is absolutely fantastic in doing, um, being po- participating in initiatives like this. Now, Salma, tell us, how can actually people get involved? Can you just turn up on the day or do you have to go and sign up? 
I mean, it'd be good if they can sign up so we can make registration packs because what we're doing, we've got a special T-shirt made um, in memory of Armoran. We've got medals as well. And if we get too many people turn up, we might, some people may be disappointed that they're not getting their T-shirt and their medal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we're going to be providing free water. Um, so for stuff like that, we do need to know our numbers for the numbers on the day. Mm-hmm. The registration is really straightforward. They just need to click on the link. Um, that's on our website and it takes them to Eventbrite. The registration fee is £10 per runner or per family, but the registration will give you only one running pack and if you want to buy extra on the day, that's fine. And the top minimum target is um, £100, which is really quite easy to obtain. I mean, I, my daughter is doing it and I'm doing it with her. And I didn't even message people. I just put it on my status and Fantastic. we got the £100 really easily. Wow. So it's not difficult to achieve. We made it so it's achievable. And um, it also supports people in Luton that are going hungry. Mm-hmm. And going hungry is something that unfortunately isn't just um, a problem in Luton. It's also nationally as well. And we're going to be talking to a brother later on about what he's doing in the West Midlands with a food bank. Actually, Salma, believe it or not, it's called the Salma Food Bank. Oh, wow. You know, people have asked me about that. <laughs> is it the, what is it called, the Bearded Brothers? Or yeah, yeah, the Bearded Brothers. Um, and oh, they... I'm definitely going to listen to, into that interview because you always learn from other people, don't you? Of course, of course. And so this is all about the learning. It's all about the sharing and it's all about the community compassion. And Salma, that's something you're, you know, you're very, very known um, to do with the Luton Food Bank. Now, what is the present status of the food bank at the moment, my dear? Because we have come out of the summer holidays and summer holidays has always been, uh, or the, any school term holidays has always been quite a nervous time for the food bank because of the demand for more Absolutely. food packs. I mean, the food parcels that are going out of 250 parcels a week, it's extortionate amount of food going out through the food bank. We are short of food items every week. Um, and at the moment, we're buying food items to cover food parcels. Mm. So we're quite desperate at the moment for food. Mm. Um, we've got a harvest campaign at the moment that we're running. So we're going into schools and doing assemblies and asking children to donate. But that's how we cover mm. the winter period is by doing harvest assemblies and getting the children to donate because we're, we're actually short of food items. I mean, the warehouse... Um, manager said to me that we're short of items we've only got two weeks worth of some items and some items are just one week's worth so we're buying twice or three times a week so Mm. we are pretty desperate and it seems to be a national problem um i'm seeing my news feed full of of these the lack of resources and the, and the demand for food parcels. Um, Salma, the Luton Food Bank is a very active space. It's continuously um, working throughout the year. Um, is there anything you'd like to actually say to our listeners at the moment? Is there any opportunities for like possibly volunteers to come forward and support um, the, the running Absolutely. of the food bank? I mean, if, 
anybody wants to support the food bank in any way, I mean, I say no to it. I don't say no to anybody, whether they want to give money or food or they want to work with us or anything, please just get in contact and I will run through the different ways you can support us. Um, you don't have to always give money. You don't always have to give food. Sometimes just giving your expertise and your time mm. um, and just being an ambassador for the food bank mm. is enough for us to spread the word and maybe you'll speak to someone who will donate money or you'll mm. speak to someone who will give food. So so don't ever think that you've got nothing to offer. Everyone out there has something to offer. So if you if you want to help us, just get in contact. And please, please promote the run for us. We're hoping for a good turnout. And it'll be such a lovely thing. I mean, Alma's children have been on the radio. Aww. And for them to do this kind of sadhgajariya for their mum, it's like a lesson for us. And of for us to teach an opportunity for us to teach our children that life is so short. You know, and if something happens to us, carry on our legacies as well and do some sutkajaria for us too. Because we're parents as well, aren't we, Shamaiza? Of course. Um, and for our children to do something like that would be so heartwarming that they're carrying on our legacy. And it's a beautiful legacy um, in the name of Sister Amra Khan. Do tell us one more time how people can get involved and um, participate in this fun run that's happening so our links on facebook um you can go on our website if you can't find it you can even call me you can call Tariq on inspire fm anyway you can i mean I could, i'm gonna ask Tariq to send the message out again so please join us on the run and if you're not joining on the run Tariq is going to do the run and donate to him if he, if Inshallah. he can't do the run. Inshallah. And when we mention Tariq, we're talking about Brother Tariq, the Rise and Shine show, a voice that you regularly hear in the in the morning on your school runs, guys. Now, talking about school runs, there's going to be lots of university students now um, uh, starting university or making their way. Um, any advice you might want to give any parents that are a little bit nervous of sending their, their, their child away to uni before we head to the break, Me? Salma? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got any advice. My son's in college and um, I'm dreading university. I mean, same. I don't know. I, I'd like to wait for the advice for me, actually. <laughs> uh, well, then you need to listen in um, because I will be sharing some information for as part of our student fortnight, which we're continuing um, on today's show. So thank you so very much, Salma, for joining us. I know you're a very busy lady and you do some tremendous work. And it's an absolute pleasure having you always sharing the amazing work of the Luton Food Bank on the show. Oh, I just love for having me. Take care, my dear. That was um, salam. That was Salma Khan of the Luton Food Bank talking about this run. Now we're heading off to a break, and after the break, I'm going to be joined by another fantastic guest by the name of Shanaz Ayu. We're talking life after fifty. Join us straight after this. Assalamu alaikum. On one hundred five point one FM, Inspire FM. a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. The following program. We grew and far apart, so who would have known? Thank God one place is here under one home. You changed my life that day And I thank the Lord For placing a love like this In our beating hearts Robbie, I have waited so long Now I see all of this was your plan I wish I'd known this all along 
On today's show, I'm joined by guests over the phone. This on today on today's show, I'm joined by guests over the phone. And we're talking about uh, community compassion through work of the food banks. And it's food banks. We spoke not just locally with Salma, the project manager at Luton Food Bank, but also we'll be joined by another fantastic guest who's going to be sharing with us work that he's doing in the West Midlands. And believe it or not, that food bank is called Salma Food Bank. And um, he is a community activist by the name of Imran Hamid. And he's going to be sharing with us how his food bank is actually bringing communities together uh, from all walks of life across the West Midlands. Earlier on, um, I had the pleasure of speaking to Salma, talking to us about a um, very poignant um, event, which is in memory of a wonderful dear sister that many of us will remember very dearly and fondly. Um, She is um, a sister by the name of Amra, who sadly passed away two years ago on her way back from Hajj. So Salma spoke to me about inviting you guys to take part in spread the um, take part in a fun run and it's a family fun run which is happening on um, Friday 20th of September and um, anybody can take part and so you need to donate um, money to this fun run uh, which will help to create a um, well inshallah now it's been organized um, and is being held in Warden Park and um, which will happen on Saturday 28th of September at 10 a.m. I do apologize. So registration needs to be done um, for fri- by Friday 28th September to get yourself these T-shirts that you can be wearing at the event. Now, in order to uh, find out more information, please go on to the Luton Food Bank link um, to get more information about this fantastic fun run. And the registration is £10 per person or family Um to get involved guys now on today's show we're talking international happiness at work day and um finding out from you guys finding out from you guys um how happy are you at work how happy are you at work guys um where are you working right now? Are you happy there? Would you, what would you do to make your environment a little bit happier? Now, I've read articles um, where it's suggesting that people are actually bringing their pets to work day to make it um, like a happy occasion to look forward to. Interesting. Um, some people have like, you know, it create um, a more of an organic environment, an environmental environment by putting plants in the space that they're working to make them feel a little bit happier, seeing the greenery. There are places, uh, spaces and places in working environments where they have like games rooms so people can chill and have um, a bit of me time. Um, What does your working environment um, do to make it happier for you? Would like to find out and in order to do so it's 07779 Salma um, Khan from the Food Bank, she did say, 
she loves the work that she does and it keeps her engaged with the community um, and she does do tremendous work mashallah um, connecting and making a difference in people's lives are you in that type of job that enables you to make a difference in people's lives how important is that for self-fulfillment um, I know that the work that I do is about making difference in people's lives so that kind of gives me um, makes me feel happy and content knowing that I'm creating change for others um, in the little little tasks that I do. So if you'd like to get involved with the conversation, um, 07779481822 to tell me a little bit about why, you know, what makes your environment a happy place to work in? What little changes and tweaks have your line manager or you've done to make it a little bit more of a serene um, place of work because work can be quite testing we spend a lot more time in our working world than we do actually with our families it, it, I've read that more we spend more hours at work less at home and it plays such a significant part of our lives and it does impact our mental well-being so it'd be very interesting to see how organizations and how yourself are making um, a more mindful space to work in what um, you know what would you do folks the urban cube um, is the show that you're listening into it's monday 23rd of september i hope you've had a fantastic weekend and you're having a great start to the week it is a uh, monday motivation on this show today the show is about uh, um, creative pioneers trailblazers um, who are making a difference across their communities. This show is a real celebration of community compassion and it doesn't stop with just me talking about it. We hope that it actually take the, the information that we take, that you take on from the guests um, is actually put into action. Um, if there's any, any uh, time that you hear a guest on the show's repeat and you want to find out who they are and what they're getting up to then please do feel free to get in touch with us at Inspire FM we're always happy to to share their details if you've missed it now the show is repeated at 8 p.m this evening um we're not on Facebook live we will be going on Facebook live very very shortly um when I'll be joined by one of my guests who's a local guest who is going to be talking to us about how to stay motivated after the age of 50 um and she's going to be sharing sharing her tips and what she's doing to kind of, you know, uh, energize herself. Because there always seems to be kind of a bit of a worry for certain people whenever they embrace a new year of their life that they always seem to add uh, this comment, oh, gosh, I feel a little bit old. Oh, no. Um, you know, what should I do this? Should I do that? I don't think there should be an age on any opportunity or any vision that you have in the future. Don't ever put an age limit on it. Now, um, age is an interesting period and so are life experiences, especially for a lot of 18 to 19 year olds who are making their way um, to university who have already settled in or starting their first day on their courses. Um, we have been running the, uni um, the student fortnight where we've been speaking and sharing information to our listeners regarding life at university and the sort of tips that we are suggesting that you what should take on board and there are lots of parents I believe who are slight, feeling slightly anxious um, about their their eldest or their youngest or their middle child starting their first day at university away from home a lot of young people do go away from home to study and it can be quite a 
worrying time for parents. Um, my eldest has started college. I was, I, I mean, even though it's local, I was quite anxious about that. Goodness me, will he be, make friends? Will he settle in? Will he meet the deadlines? And Salma was talking about her son starting college as well, and she is um, a little bit anxious about that. So I'm sure um, in two years' time, the tips that I'm giving you guys, I will be having to reflect them myself um, and share with them, share with my, my children. So... Well, so the sort of things that we're looking at is put for parents, this advice is for parents, put yourself in your child's shoe, shoes, try and remember what it was like for you before starting secondary school, the nerves, the fear and the sense of going from being a big fish in a small pond to a little fish in a big pond. Being open and um, emphatic will allow your children to feel that they can tell you anything, meaning you can help support them to the best of your ability. Look out for changes in emotions and behaviour. Are you noticing changes in your child's sleeping pattern or are they being a bit more quiet than usual? Subtle changes in emotions and behaviour could be a sign of stress and anxiety. It's worth having a little chat with them and seeing if there is anything going on that they want to talk about. Okay. Um, and the whole purpose of me sharing this information is because they are going away to university, um, they will, they're still, they might be 18, 19, but they are still young and impressionable and it's always good to keep that level of communication open with your child your child may feel that they are mature enough independent enough not to rely on you but believe me when they get there from the parents i've heard from they the children are always on the phone the first week entirely it does slow down a little bit the calls stop coming through but then the parents are the ones that are continuing, continuously calling. But keep those channels of communication um, open. It's always good to check up on your child um, when they're away. Um, I'm going to be speaking to a parent who has, uh, who I think is now um, taken her child off to university. Um, and it would be wonderful to hear what her experience was like. And also uh, finding out um, what sort of food you need to pack to send with your child. Now, I remember coming back from university. My mum would actually make me chapati. She'd make me rotis and put it in um, foil. And she'd cook me. Um, she'd give me a recipe card with all the dals uh, as well. Um, and I'd also be given, like, you know, all the ingredients uh, to make to make these lovely little dishes. So she kind of kind of semi prepped me, but I was learning how to cook from the age of 11. So um, I, all she was doing was giving me the ingredients just in case I ran out because she didn't want me living on fast food. Um, and that's the greatest fear for any parent, their child living only on fast food and not cooking. Now, somebody who's a, a dab hand of, at cooking has her own uh, cooking series and is uh, living that moment herself by sending her child <laughs> off to university is no other than Shanaz Ayu. Assalamu alaikum, Shanaz. Wa alaikum assalam, wa alaikum assalam. How are you, Shanaz? I'm, I'm very, very well, uh, even more so listening to your wonderful voice. Now, I understand you've just stepped out of a class because life <laughs> never stops anyone from learning, and you're the prime example of that. Um, learning at 50. <laughs> Learning at 50. I, I have actually stepped out of this. No, I haven't. I finished my spinning class. I'm slightly out of breath. Um, a little low on the oxygen. <laughs> so I'll make, I'll make the best of this as I can. 
bless but you. Yes, I mean, you know, um, speaking of children going to university, my mashallah has just gone into her second year. Wow. Um, it's full of trepidation for parents. It's really difficult because you want to make sure that all the life lessons that you've given them over the years are going to be implemented. Mm. But at the same time, it's a battle for us as Asians as well, you know, making sure that they're going into a Western lifestyle of living on their own in a predominantly Western environment where the influences of home aren't going to be there. Mm. And you've just got to make sure that, you know, you've done the best for them at home. And then you've just got to let them go free and make the best of their life that they can with all the life lessons that you've given them. And mashallah, I'm, I'm really proud of my oldest daughter. She's, she's done really well. She's got really good balance. Alhamdulillah. And, um, and that gives her a good peace of mind. And it's really important for them to take their bits from home that remind them of mm. home. Ah. Um, so no, what did you send with your daughter, who's actually, mashallah, st studying, her studying her second year at university in dentistry, may I add? Yes, mashallah, mashallah. Um, you know what? Of her own volition, she took a Quran, oh, um, which was really good. And, and she found that it gave her a little bit of peace of mind in a very, well, a lot of peace of mind, actually, in a very, very stressful environment where there is a lot of work um, and play, but the balance is more work than play. Um, and she would get constantly stressed out. Um, and it was very, very difficult from, you know, all the way, almost 200 miles away to give her that, you know, you'd give her that virtual hug and you'd make her feel at ease. But mm. having things around her, like the crown that she always kept in her room, <clears throat> even things like her quilt, you mm. know, her favorite toy, her things like that, you know, that, mm. and just hearing our voice. And the world is such a small place now. I mean, we FaceTime all the time, so mm. that makes a huge difference. We never had all this when we were at university. There was a postcard um, or a message by a dove. You'd be lucky. It was it was five minutes on the phone yeah. um, every few days. It was really really difficult because my first year was in halls of residence, and when we moved into the house, it was it was very different. Of course, there was a lot more freedom, but seeing your mum and dad's faces was something that you know mm. you didn't get a lot of and um, you missed. But I think much easier for them in that sense and because you've had that experience yourself as well you've had that experience yourself Shana so you're able to give good advice because it is come from a place where you've had that opportunity to go away to university but there'll be lots of parents who've not had that opportunity so it does make it a little bit quite difficult for them to have to understand um, the routine um, but Marshall you've given some really good uh, tips and advice there but it doesn't stop there I mean we're also talking to you about life at 50 because you're going to be yeah. sharing with us your experience as somebody who is embracing that age and embracing it well well you know what when they say it's only a number i have to say i don't feel any different mm. at 51 now actually mashallah than i did when i was 40. it's um yeah i mean it's it, it, it the life expectancy of women is is actually a lot more than um it used to be a few years ago a long time ago so now it's not unusual for women to exceed 80 years um, there is that thing, though, that turning 50, we all feel closer to death than we do to birth on the, on the downside. But it's very sobering. It's very liberating. Um, it's sobering because it reminds us that there's a, there's a finite span in which to accomplish what we want. Mm. Um, and we have that bucket list in our heads of what, of, of what our wants and desires are. Um, and it's liberating because, you know, we mentally and emotionally um, feel the truth of what life is all about and we don't 
hang on to concerns that are non-essential anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think about the important things of life, and that's always in the forefront of my life. I just, you know, care a hang about things that I can't do anything about. There's, I, I leave that to God. You know, whereas I used to be a very anxious person, I used to worry about things constantly. But I think when you turn a certain age, you just think, well, to hell with it. You know, at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do, and, and everything else is left to God. But it is a milestone, and there are always these jokes about being over the hill. Mm. But I will say, in places like, you know, for the ne- in the Netherlands, for example, they see it as being a real turning point, and they have this thing called Sincera. I don't know what that means, but basically... The ethos behind it is that when you become that age, you, you're respected more because you're old enough to be wise. Oh. And actually, seeing Sarah is, is the, Sarah's the biblical wife of Abraham, and she was known for being a very wise woman. So in the Netherlands, they really honor the birthday with a celebration because they acknowledge that this person now is full of wisdom and an experience. I don't know about wisdom, but I definitely have experience. <laughs> but um, and you're so it's ex- a real transition. And your experience doesn't just, you know, it's not just about cooking. It's also in in the um, courts of law as well as a uh, senior solicitor. Is have I given you the correct title there? Sorry, your work in the courts of law is. Yeah. And does that change the older you get, or does does yeah. how do you develop your career? when you get to a certain age, um, because you're balancing you two more, careers. two careers. Yeah. Well, you definitely become more confident in both of them. You become more confident as a person. And um, what I do notice with, unfortunately, you know, in the work environment, but unfortunately with a lot of friends as well that have hit this stage in their lives when they're going through divorces. Mm-hmm. And it does become a little bit predominant um, when hit, women hit a certain age. And, and that is because, you know, it's so important to find your identity, find what you're passionate about and and go for it. Because a lot of women don't end up doing that. They all get embroiled in bringing up children and then they've got to, you know, obviously put up with the um, changes that happen, the menopause that happens at 50. And then gravity takes its toll with the sagging neck, the stomach, the, the breasts, the faces, the underarm swing. You know, we've, we've got all that to contend with. And I think that we've, uh, women find it difficult to find themselves if they haven't pursued a passion. And then the kids go and they leave the nest and they're less reliant on us. And a lot of women find that they have nothing to do. And if they're in a, a relationship where it, it has all been about the kids and that attention hasn't been on the husband, then that, the spouses tend to lose their way and mm. they develop very different interests and they find that they're quite intolerant of each other. Because, of course, they're in a situation where they have to spend more time with one another. And that's when the problem starts. And that's a really sad aspect of, of hitting that age where mm-hmm. things go a little bit downhill, when, in fact, they should be going uphill and you should be really embracing that time. Even if you don't have a partner, embrace that time that you have even on your own and spend more time with your friends. This is what a lot of people end up doing. So what advice What advice would you give to anybody listening in who are who is about to hit 50 and feels a little bit down? Don't go through the infamous midlife crisis. It's a cup half full, not a cup half empty. That's not the way to look at life. And you've got to um, be driven by opportunity to change or improve aspects of your life. Um, that you've been unhappy with over the years. So for me, I always battle with my weight. 
I know that now, you know, I'm in my 50s, I have to really start looking after my health and nutrition because, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of, you know, I, I'm, I'm close, as I said, closer to death than I am to birth, but I don't look at it like that cynically. I look at it more as um, a chance to maintain a physical appearance and attractiveness. And, you know, we're never going to be able to reverse the clock, but it's about self-acceptance and mm. it's the self-acceptance combined with one significant benefit of, of the menopause freedom um, is, is really important. Don't think that just because you're hitting an age that all these things are going to start happening to you. Embrace them. Love yourself. Love your body and have respect for yourself. So when I talk about nutrition, it's really important to look at your diet, all the things that you used to like and indulge in. Um, cut back on slightly because these things, your body develops an intolerance to certain foods as you get older as well. And if you tend to have a high-fat diet, for example, or not a high-fat diet, but even if you used to indulge in things like, for example, eating the skin off a chicken, you know, that's a roasted chicken that obviously we know that isn't good for us, but it's the yummiest part of a chicken, you know that that is going to stay on you for a lot longer now that you've hit 50 than it did when you were 30. <laughs> These things are harder to burn as you get older, and your fat cells really, you know, they're, they're developing over the years. But if you if you feed them, then they're there to stay forever. Now, you... why women find it really hard to lose weight from certain areas, and I'm a real testimony of that. <laughs> You mentioned the menopause. Now, a lot of women do hit the menopause around uh, 45 plus and even earlier than that. Um, is there enough information, you think, in the um, Asian or Muslim community around menopause? You know, all the information that you need is available online. You should go and see your doctor. There are things that people suffer with. There are things that people don't at all. I mean, I, my mum always said to me that she never went through it. I could have sworn she did. But she, <laughs> people just have different reactions to, to the menopause. For me, you know, I, I do feel the heat um, a lot, particularly, uh, you know, at night time, I need to have a fan on me. And my, my husband has literally rolled up in a duvet looking like a sushi next to me. Um, and it's really difficult, you know, sometimes to maintain that body temperature, the little things that I think I have to endure. But People suffer in different ways, and I absolutely sympathize for women that really do suffer with it. Mm. It changes their temperament. I think it's not only the women that have to be aware of what's going on with themselves, but also their family that need to be tolerant of what's going on with them as well. So it's up to the women to educate themselves. And as I said, there's a lot of information that's available on the, on the search engine. But mm -hmm. also go and see your doctor. Um, and go and talk to them if you feel that you're suffering with any changes that you think are very involuntary and they're not necessarily exasperated by stresses that are going on in normal life. Go and see somebody about it and then educate your family about what's going on because that's going to be very important. They need to be tolerant of what you're going through. And as I said, it, it, it affects different women in different ways. I, I mean, fortunately, alhamdulillah, I don't, I don't feel that it's, particularly affected me at this stage um and i don't think it's the state of mind a lot of people blame us on that it is um you know a lot of these things are quite involuntary and people need to be a lot more um uh, a lot more tolerant to women that are going through it and in fact i know that uh, i read somewhere that labor are um uh, the labor government are um uh, really promoting women 
suffering with menopause in the workplace, um, possibly, you know, um, being more gracious about their working hours mm. and being more um, sympathetic to women in those environments. Well, that sounds in those conditions. absolutely fantastic, especially as it's a national or is it international day of happiness at work day. So that is great news to hear that um, acts are being put into place to recognise women's um, issues which are uh, are so important now my dear I'm heading off to a break but I just want to say thank you so very much for joining us I want to quickly ask you Shanaz um, is the for the love of food is the series still on it is in fact we're going to be filming a few more this is the second series that we have on at the moment that's um, airing um, I think it comes on every Sunday and it comes on during the week as well fantastic um, on Sky You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is 11 o'clock, Monday, 23rd of September. You're listening to Shamiza. I hope you are well, wherever you're listening in from this morning. Um, I've been off air for about two weeks. Glad to be back and glad to be in your company. And um, super awesome to be kind of sat on this chair. It's been a crazy two weeks, so it's good to be relaxing and being back at work. And you know what? It's the happiest place to be for me, I think, um, when I'm speaking and sharing and uh, conversing with um, fabulous guests, not that not just locally, but nationally as well on Inspire FM. Now, it's great. Um, I'm, I'm on a happy vibe. I'm a happy vibe at work because it's National um, Happiness Work Day. And I'm asking you guys, um, what what is it that um, makes you happy at work? How do you maintain a happiness at work? Um, can work and happiness go hand in hand? Are you in a job that you thoroughly enjoy? Or are you interested in potentially or you're looking into changing your job? Um, tell us on 07779481822. Now the Facebook live page is open so you can actually leave your comments on there and we'll be happy to read them out. Now earlier on in the show I had the pleasure of speaking to Salma Khan from Luton Food Bank talking to us about um, an event that they're all, they've organised and it's in memory of um, beloved sister Amara, who um, sadly passed away two years ago on her way back from Hajj. And the Luton Food Bank and Amara's family have invited you to take part and spread the word among your family and friends. Um, she was loved by many in the community and what they're hoping to do uh, in a way of paying tribute to her kindness is holding a fun run, a family fun run, um, which is um, being is going to be at Warden Park and it's a sponsored family fun run and it's Saturday 28th of September at 
a.m. Um, you can uh, register and its registration is £10. And, um, and this is basically the registration will enable you to have a T-shirt and a medal. Um, and med- But it needs to be done by Friday 20th of September. Now, the Luton Food Bank have come on board to support this initiative, this lovely fundraising opportunity. But um, the whole purpose of the fundraising is to actually create um, the building of a well, a Sadgajaria, in memory of Sister Amara. Now, if you want to uh, get involved, then you need to go onto the Luton Food Bank um, org.uk slash run site so if you go onto that link and you can also um, contact us at Inspire Femme inshallah if you want further details so and if you follow Sister Selma on uh, Facebook then you can get further information there so we've had the pleasure of uh, speaking to Selma after that we spoke to no other than the very very vibrant Shanaz Ayub who was talking to us about her experience of sending her daughter to university who mashallah is in her second year now I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to a lot of the information that she was presenting to us on um, to us this morning about um, giving your children that opportunity to kind of be independent, but also giving them the values that they need to take uh, with them about, you know, um, balancing a, a good life, really, um, because obviously they're going to be experiencing things that you cannot manage and you cannot monitor. So it's actually speaking to your children prior to um, what you expect of them as your child and in accordance to the faith and, and your culture. So it was very interesting listening to Shana. She also talked about her her experience um, as somebody who has hit 51, a, a, a wonderful milestone in her life, which many can relate. And she was talking about how as women um, trying to kind of nurture and, and embrace the age and trying to maintain a healthy well-being and uh, lifestyle um, to kind of just, you know, amongst your family and independently as well. And we talked about careers with her too. Now, um, from Luton all the way to the West Midlands, I'm joined by a very fabulous guest who's really making his mark in his community in and around, but also reaching a further afield internationally with the news stories of the amazing work being led uh, to the Salma Food Bank. Now this is a community food bank which has been founded by no other than um, the the gentleman I'm going to be speaking to now, no other than Imran Hamid. Now what was interesting is we spoke to Salma from the Luton Food Bank earlier on who is a project manager of the Luton Food Bank who said she's going to be listening in to the great tips and advice that brother Imran is going to be sharing with us. Now he is somebody who's very passionate about his local community. The work that he's done is not just in the food bank it is also in the community via um a project called the bearded bros yes you've heard it guys the bearded bros um which is a project that is really embracing everybody in and around the west midlands um and also sharing the content that he does in the community um on social media too so it's an absolute pleasure to have uh, imran hamid join us this morning assalamu alaikum brother imran Waalaikum salam rahmatullah. How are you? How are you, sister? You okay? I'm very well. I'm very well. And thank you for joining us in your very busy schedule. Um, it sounds quite echoey. Am I assuming you're actually in the warehouse of Salma Food Bank? <laughs> no, I'm actually in my office at this time. I was in the warehouse when they connected my call. But now I have, re- I have retired into my in, in my office 
Is it any better now? It's fabulous. Now, it's National Happiness at Work Day, brother Imran. Can I ask you, how happy are you in the work that you do? I am extremely happy. Uh, Alhamdulillah. I'm extremely, extremely happy. And every day that goes by, uh, it makes me wonder and ponder, as the Quran says, to ponder uh, that Allah chooses who he wants. I do not do anything special. I'm not Superman. And if any one of us had the opportunity, I, I would say take it with both hands and, you know, do what you've got to do with this. And Alhamdulillah, I'm happy every single day uh, that I come to work where I can juggle uh, my business and uh, what I do, which is the food bank and other projects. Mm -hmm. And and you do them very well. I don't know how you're juggling this exactly. all, but you're doing it very, very well. And the story... I've got one secret. What's that? My one and only secret, right? And if I, if I look at it deeply uh, and think how I managed to do this, honestly, one word, my wife. Mashallah. You know, alhamdulillah, I have a very, very considerate uh, lady that I married. May Allah, may Allah bless her, because without her cooperation, I couldn't do this. And great partnerships, that's what this is all about, and that support Absolutely. and um, stability that you have. And may Allah always bless that. Now, brother, I want to okay. take you a step back and talk to us about Salma Food Bank, what the Salma Food Bank is, and how that came about. Um, it was a year 2017, no, 16. I keep in muggling up the years. Year 2016, and it was a case of it was Ramadan. It was the 27th of Ramadan, and I was sitting with my father. I come from a, a privileged, affluent background, and uh, I don't know what the word poverty meant. The only thing I knew was when we used to visit Pakistan, I have an office in India. I used to go to India. We used to see the beggars on the streets, and that to me was poverty, uh, and as far as it goes. And uh, I was watching my wife with my young children. She'd been fasting all day, and you know she's running around with them, and I'm saying, I'm going to come and sit down. You know, let's open our fast first. I can look after the kids later. And it dawned on me that I lost my mom 22 years back. And it, my mom must have been like this. Mm. What she's like with the kids, right? And I asked my dad, my dad being the um, sort of breadwinner in the family, you don't really ask my dad many personal uh, uneasy questions. And I asked my father, I said, what was mom like? First time in my life. Uh, I asked him, what was what was mum like? And he said to me, he said, what do you ask the next door neighbour? And I thought, ask the next door neighbour. And our next door neighbour is a African black lady, mm -hmm. uh, a very, very church-going person. Okay, and I thought, okay, so after Iftar, I, I decided to go around there, ask her the question. First time I actually went into a house, I always say hello to her. The first time I went into a house and she started crying. And what she, she gave me stories of my mother, an immigrant lady who had come to the United Kingdom looking for a better future. And uh, Alhamdulillah, God had blessed them with wealth and how she looked after her neighbor. Mm. You know, even though mom couldn't speak very much English, she would spend hours helping her, you know, listening to her. She could understand, but she wouldn't reply back to you in many words. Her vocabulary was uh, very, uh, very limited. So Alhamdulillah, I walked out of there in tears. Um, you know, thinking, wow, mom achieved something really massive. And it's from that on, the, from that time onwards, I started looking into, like, poverty in the UK, mm. looking at food banks. I didn't even know what a food bank was. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't know anything about it. I grew up in a Pakistani household. And the, the normal, typical attitude is everybody gets fed by the government. 
Everybody has this and everybody claims this and what have you not. So I thought, let's find people who n- not necessarily are on the street like homeless people, but there must be people in their houses who are struggling. They, and we don't know anything about it. My next door neighbor could be struggling. I don't know anything about it. So how do we find these people? So I, being an IT consultant by trade, I took to Facebook and I put a message out there. Uh, the message read, if there's anybody who needs food, right, please contact me and my telephone number. And I, you wouldn't believe it, right? The phone wouldn't stop. The phone would not stop. And I was thinking, there can't be that many people lying to me, quite surely. So you were you shocked know, is, by the number of calls I, that you were receiving? Shocked. Absolutely. I was, I was gobsmacked. Smacked at the amount of calls that we were receiving. It was, it was un- unbelievable. Uh, you know, from the word go, when I put this up there, we was hearing horror stories. Moms, dads, you know, young people. People just could not make ends meet. Mm. So what we did, what we did for the first year, right? We we just me, uh, the, uh, myself, the kids, uh, mom, right? We just went to we was in Asda, and uh, we just carried on every day. I would finish at four o'clock, pick up the kids. Mom would pick up the kids, and uh, we would just drive to Asda, fill up our boot, fill up a few bags, and then drive around like mad people to these people's houses, and we were having hugs, kisses. All sorts going on and people crying and we were thinking, bloody hell, we live in England. This is not seriously happening. And, you know, it was an eye-opener for us. Mm -hmm. So what happened from there on? Because this is just you and your family um, going around in a car with your boot full of food. So how were you able to, from feeding just a couple of families to hundreds of families in in a day? So what actually happened, right, I, uh, I remember having many conversations with my father my family, right, my, my extended family, saying, this is going on. And nobody would believe me. They thought I was an idiot. They thought, no, this, this, you know, people are taking you for a mug. That's what they're doing. They're taking you for a mug. And, you know, this is not possible. Anyway, it was one woman, I remember in Wolverhampton, old woman, and uh, I said to her, would you be kind enough to give me your story on video? And she said, yeah. So I thought, all right, time for Facebook Live, then, isn't it, as you do? So I went Facebook Live, and that's when it went a bit mental, mm. uh, where people started thinking, who's this mad person driving around, you know, at feeding feeding people? And then it, it just didn't stop. It's a roller coaster ride upwards. We've now got 250-plus volunteer drivers. Fantastic. Uh, we've served over 50,000 households. Wow. Uh, so the problem is real. It's not, it's not made up. So what makes your food bank any different to the food banks that we see across the country we're not a charity okay that's the first thing uh because i took a, a a few days out and i volunteered at a food bank there was too much red tape so you and i if we work nine to five and let's just say we lost our job and we were hand to mouth you and i could not get a food voucher because we don't claim any benefits which is ridiculous mm-hmm. so that was another that was a hurdle when you become a charity i didn't want to take anybody's money Okay, because I thought, you know, it's it's about 10 people coming together saying, here's a bag of food and giving it to somebody else who needs it. So money was not the issue here. So we're not a charity. We refuse to take anybody's money. We're just a massive project. Okay, and we are the only emergency food bank in the country. So we're not your traditional food bank. A traditional food bank you would go to with a voucher. Mm-hmm. We are the interim period before you can get to that food bank. So how are you able to maintain um, and sustain 
the product, uh, you know, the project to continue at mm. this level if you're not a charity? People power. Okay. People power. I was at, I was at number 10 Downing Street and the housing minister asked me the same question. He said, oh, what do you, he said, we, we, what do you, what you do? Well, how the hell do you maintain this? How do you mm. sustain this? Mm. And I, I tell you, it's people power. I go into my food bank. Uh, I'm not an overly religious person. I go into my food bank and honestly look at the milk and think, oh, we're running out of milk. And five minutes later, you'll have a trolley full. Somebody's sure. bought you some. Wow. Shall I? So up and down the country, uh, people are donating to us. Mm-hmm. Not money. We don't want anybody's money. You can go online to Asda, for example, buy groceries for us and have them delivered to us. doesn't matter where you are in the country. Now, this people power and this compassion yes. in the community um, isn't mm-hmm. just with South a- the South Asian parts of Birmingham, is it? It's, it's, is it the wider no, community all, you're bringing people together? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I would say 60% of our volunteers now are not from the subcontinent. They are not Muslim, okay? Uh, they don't have beards, even though the name may suggest beauty grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been across the board. Yes, we started off, it was like a, uh, you know, the few volunteers that we did have in the beginning, there were only Muslim volunteers and there were men, etc., etc. but that's not the case any longer. I would say 60% were definitely not from the Muslim background. Why is it not the case? What is it that's um, opened the doors so wide? What is it that you've seen that um, is is the best way to bring people together? Transparency. Uh, that's the one word for it. We don't take any money. There's no fitna involved in this project. Uh, once you start taking anybody's money, that's when the, the, the water gets a bit murky. Uh, but we won't take anybody's money. We're very, very transparent. That that, that kind of beans is going to go to somebody in need. There's nobody going to be taking any cuts out of this. And unfortunately, uh, charities have become a massive money spinner. And this is what people can see. Uh, you know, it's a grassroots project that's just gone extremely big. Uh, so th- that's what people trust in. What, what have you seen that's made a difference in the actual community across Birmingham? Because, you know, I've seen some... Birmingham, like any other city or town, has had its own be- um, uh, bad press in regards to community cohesion. Has this project mm-hmm. enabled people to come together? Oh, 100%. 100% is definitely building bridges. Not just with volunteers themselves, but honestly, when we go out to... I mean, the people, the beneficiaries that we serve... Uh, 97%, that's a huge number, 97% are not Muslim, mm-hmm. okay? So majority of these people, honestly, you know what they say to me? Or to say to a volunteer uh, who are going out, like, let's just say a woman's gone out with a hijab on, etc., etc. say, why can't all Muslims be like you? And we think, well, bloody hell, we are. Majority are like that. It's a minority, on which, which are idiots. But, you know, the majority are. So it's kind massive i mean just if you look at our social media mm. uh the amount of love that we get from non-muslims is is massive compared to muslims social media has been quite a big part of this project do you think if you didn't have social yes. media you wouldn't have grown as as big as you have done yes absolutely we would have grown alhamdulillah but not as fast as we mm. have mm. so social media has definitely played a massive part in it now as an it uh, professional, uh, did that yes. play a good part in your role with the social does, media yeah, side? Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely, because I sell social media to their two customers. That's what I did for a living. Right. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. I know how it works, like the back of my hand. 
So, yes, it does play a big part. Uh, yes, it does. So what are you projecting on the social media? Because um, it doesn't seem to be just lo- the food bank related. There seems to be lots of other projects in the community that you've been actively participating and showcasing. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I do a project which is very successful. And we had somebody from, believe it or not, Luton come down to us. Fantastic. From your hometown. Okay. Yeah, big up to Luton, everybody that's listening. <laughs> uh, Tommy Robinson's uncle. <laughs> yeah, I do a program called Meet a Muslim. Okay. And, uh, and I offered him the, a hand. I said, I'll host you. And what a lovely guy. What a lovely, lovely guy. And we sat together. We spent the whole day together. He wow. delivered food bags with me to people in need. Uh, you know, the only difference was, honestly, this was the difference. I wanted to pray five times a day. The guy didn't. Okay. And you know, what's the big deal? He, want, he, he wants to have a drink with his meal. I don't. So what? Does that mean that I need to hate the guy? Or does that mean he needs to hate me? No. And we left on really good terms. In, in matter of fact, uh, you know, we're in talks where we want to run a food bank from the heart of Luton under the banner of Salma Food Bank, under the um, influence of an Islamic ethos, but run by the EDL. Why can't you and I put our differences aside and do something for humanity, right? Forget what you and I disagree upon. But well, do you think they'll get on board with that? I mean, if it was that simple... I, I, I um, do. do you th- are you in talks? I, the, the, I, can, I, can, I can't go into much detail, okay. but yes, we are. Right, intriguing. <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely intrigued by this, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. And yeah, if, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you well, can hate me. You can hate me all you like because, listen, you know, somebody's going to hate you. They're going to hate you regardless. You can go red in the face by explaining we're not bad people, X, uh-huh. Y, and Z, whatever. You know what? Enough of the explaining. How about, right, you put your finger out and we both do a food bank. You, you, you can run it. Okay, because majority of the people that are in Luton, regardless of whoever they are, still need some help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why can't we do that? What? And this is the type of projects and the discussions we need to be having to say, let's put our disagreements to the side because we're only going to disagree. We disagree amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Who's got the bigger beard? Who's, who looks more religious? Oh, please get over it. Uh, you, you know, it, we need to put that aside and we can come under one banner. One what and one cause, which is to help someone. Inshallah, intriguing, intriguing project. I'm definitely going to be following how um, what comes from this, and hopefully some positive community cohesion and engagement. And the irony here is that we already have a wonderful Salma leading the Luton uh, Food Bank, who are doing absolutely amazing work as well. Mashallah, so that's really quite. Mashallah, may may Allah bless her. She said, I, "I do know about that food bank. Yeah, good job." They're doing a fantastic job, as are you. And your work that you do is doesn't just, uh, it's not just about delivering food to the most needy in the parts of West Midlands, but it's also kind of, um, you get out on the street and you help clean refuse as well. Because there's been uh, videos that have gone viral with the bearded bros out there with their green, you know, um, their visors on and they're going out, uh, getting rid of rubbish because of the... Um, Bin strikes. Tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One media, uh, one media title read: "Not all superheroes wear capes. Some rock high vests." Which was lovely. I thought that was brilliant uh, because that was, I mean, that was like two years ago now, and it was the bin strikes. Mm. Uh, it was summer holidays, and 
Birmingham was bad. <laughs> it was like you you had like piles of rubbish size of a van. Gosh. Right, on wow. each, each sort of street corner. Wow. And uh, Alhamdulillah, yeah, absolutely was disgusting because the bin men were on strike. Right. And we just thought, you know what, let's take the ball by the horns. And it was 150 tons of rubbish that we moved. Mm-hmm. We, did, we didn't lot. take away the black bins. Mm-hmm. We were taking away the excess. Right. We were labelled as God knows what not. Like, like strike breakers, etc., etc., which was ridiculous because we weren't getting paid for this. Uh, you know, we were just trying to do something for community. And you really help clean those streets. And it's just not the streets. You're also out there in the gardens of your local community and the elderly too. So, and there it doesn't seem yes, to be are, anything yeah. stopping you from any tasks. What are the other projects that you get the Bearded Bros involved in? Well, we proactively get a lot, a lot, a lot of call for streetwalkers. Uh, unfortunately, the girls uh, who have got themselves into bad habits, i.e. heroin, crack cocaine, etc., etc., we try to raise awareness about these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, you know, look, instead of going past these people and spitting at them, swearing at them, you know, they're there for a reason. They're standing outside your house because more than likely it's your father or uh, your, your son or your husband that's actually entertaining these women, supply and demand. So instead of us, you know, having a go at these women, how about we educate our own families first? We do uh, massive online grooming um, uh, projects, which uh, we, we, we as, uh, as IT people, again, we look for online groomers, and that information is then fed back to the police. We don't put them on camera. We don't do a sort of decoy mission, so we don't do it like that. Um, we, do, we do other things like cleaning up parks, cleaning up uh, the gardens for the vulnerable people. Again, it's just people power. It's just about networking. Mm. And knife so crime is us. another area yeah. that you've been um, trying to tackle. Yes. Knife crime uh, is what we say on our post, which is an epidemic. Uh, it's killing our youngsters. Uh, knives do not discriminate against colour. Mm. Okay, so it's happening up and down the country. So white, black, Asian, whatever. Uh, you know, everybody, there's too many youngsters who think it's, it's a good idea uh, to carry a knife. I get, I get where they're coming from. Some people are just scared. Most of the people that actually stab someone say, you know what, I only had it on me. I didn't ever think I would use it. Gosh, that's the right? worst. So what, yeah. That's got to be the worst thing mm-hmm. because this guy is probably fearful for his own life. If he gets jumped by three people, he wants to have something on him mm. in order to defend himself. So how are Does you dealing with this? Because this is, a very, this is such a worrying, worrying epidemic and it's not going away. Absolutely. 12th of October is where we're having a national march up and down the country. One, one time and it's a minute silence as well at okay. two o'clock. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's every city. We are taking the bull by the horns in Birmingham, where Birmingham says no to knife crime. Mm. We're making a clear stance to youngsters to say we're sick and tired of it. Mm. We're not putting up with it. We're putting pressure on the government to introduce uh, tougher laws and around carrying a knife. Brother, we're heading to okay. a break, and I've got 32 seconds. Go I want you to tell everybody how people can access the Bearded Bros and the uh, Summer Food Bank. Absolutely. Go online to Bearded Bros, that's with a Z, dot com, and salma-foodbank.org. Uh, join the conversation. Uh, have a look. Check us up on uh, Facebook. 
and uh, she wanted to thank you ever so much for your time as well and I know you do some good work it's an absolute pleasure brother Imran Hamid thank you so very much for joining us thank you for having me you're very welcome that was brother Imran Hamid and we're heading off to a break inshallah and we're joined not by a bearded bro but a bearded hiker the number one radio station for Luton this is Inspire FM Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is 11.30, the final half an hour of the Urban Cube and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning. Now we're beaming out the lovely people of Luton surrounding areas and Peterborough and Sheffield this morning. So thank you so very much for listening in wherever you are. Um, Be that Facebook Live or it could be the app or just on the airwaves. Um, Always love to find out where you're tuning in from. Um, so it makes me feel as if I'm not on my own. Guys, it is International um, what hap- Work Happiness Day. And I've been speaking to my guests this morning who were Salma Khan from the Luton Food Bank. It was also Shanaz Ayub, um, who is a, a, a senior solicitor. Plus, she's also a celebrity chef. And I spoke to no other than Imran Hamid of the Bearded Bros and the, believe it or not, Salma Food Bank based in West Midlands. They shared with us their experiences of their work and also gave some great advice and tips um, around this. Now, if you'd like to catch up with any of those conversations that you know what to do, you need to listen back on Facebook Live or because... It will stop and you can scroll back and hear the conversation or catch the repeat of the show, which will be 8 p.m. this evening. Now, the question I've been asking everybody this morning is um, what what advice could you give to um any young person going off to university. Now, lots of young people have headed off um, to university. They're they're getting themselves started and preparing themselves for their first classes maybe this week, or they're making um, themselves get settled in university. And Ashinar spoke to us very, um, very with experience because her daughter's gone off to Leeds and she spoke uh, to study her second year in dentistry and she spoke about giving her home comforts to keep to give that uh, feeling that she isn't too far away from home, even though she is, she's in Leeds. Um, But love to find out what sort of things that you've given to your children if they've gone off to university. Now, um, climbing mountains is something that we've been talking about on the show for a couple of weeks. And um, I had the pleasure of speaking to Bilal um, Hussein uh, about three weeks ago about this uh, amazing trek that he did, um, but he didn't do it on his own. These were three mountains across England, um, Wales and Scotland, three of the highest peaks and to be done in 24 hours and this challenge the whole purpose of this challenge was to raise fundraise for um, a charity called Friends of Bright Eyes. Now, I've been really eager to find out what that experience was like. Now, I had two weeks off, so I never got to speak to anybody about that. So now I am, and um, I spoke about before they left, but it's now the the actual challenge was completed. And on the phone right now, I don't have a bearded bro, but I have a bearded hiker, Um, a beardy hiker, let me get that correct, who's actually a, a hiker by um 
part-time, it seems, but he's also a financial crime analyst. And he's on the line right now. I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Etesham Khan. Assalamu alaikum, Etesham. Welcome, How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you so very much for giving me time out from your working morning this morning um, and joining us on the Urban Cube. Now, Brother Etesham, congratulations. Um, I understand you completed the hike. Yeah, thank you very much. I did. I completed it in, I believe, 23 hours and 28 minutes. Wow. Just under the 24-hour mark. Um, yeah. Was there... You know, this 24-hour thing, did everybody finish at the same time or was there somebody that finished a little earlier and a little later? Well, out of the 20, I think uh, there was nine of us that completed it within the um, 24-hour time limit. But it was that last mountain, everyone was sort of at their own pace, Wow! just struggling to get across the line. Some brothers done it in, I think, just under 23 hours, which right. was, I think, the fastest time. And then there's a few of us that just made it in before the 24 hours up. Brother, tell me, what made you want to do this hike? I mean, it wasn't just a small mountain. We're talking about three of the highest peaks. Yeah, so for me, it was, it was everyone had sort of, um, you know, they spoke with the Bill Adam to everyone individually, told them how he wanted to raise funds for this charity um, in honour of his brother, who passed away uh, 20 years ago um, I think it was this month, and um, with me, I took it on at six days' notice. But wow. the, the reason behind it was, I was with my friend one day, and um, we were just talking in general about, you know, we're going on holidays and etc. And I was like, as a friend group, we should try to maybe do one thing next year. We go, we go, you know, to a third world country and help mm. out, mm. do a bit of charity work, and you mm. know, open our eyes to the luxury that we actually live in. Mm. And um, so when this opportunity came along, the bill I told me, that we're going on the hike this weekend. It's a last minute thing, but do you want to come along and think, you know, do you think you could do the challenge? So I thought this is you know, this opportunity that you know, I might not get another chance to do. Um, so I, I just took it with both hands. Um, I thought, A, this is going to be a great experience. Um, you know, I've never really been on a mountain before in my life, so... Never before. Another, this is the first yeah, time. Never before. And then on top of that, to, to do charity work, I mean, there's so much benefit in that. And it really does open your eyes because when I research myself about the charity mm -hmm. and the work that they're doing and what they're trying to do with Luton, you know, the people on our roads, our friends, our neighbours, they all, you know, have someone, you know, somebody that is suffering mm -hmm. from a disability. Mm -hmm. So to give them that, you know, respite care, to, to have a purpose-built disability centre in Luton is, is, you know, is crucial. We really need that. And I think it's for the community and it's getting done by the community with local people raising the funds for it. Mashallah. Um, and I was actually quite surprised. I've known of Friends of Bright Eyes, but I never actually knew they never had a dedicated centre. And that really surprised me, considering the amount of support they've given to not one generation, many generations of families in Luton, Mashallah, and the fact that this centre is possibly going to be now built. So did you guys meet your target? Has the money that you wanted to raise get raised? I believe so. I believe everyone had their own sort mm -hmm. of uh, independent targets or what they wanted to hit. A lot of people did hit it. Um, I think overall as a group we raised upwards of 40,000. I don't know what it's standing at right now, but okay. um, I remember at the time we had, we had over 40,000. 
I believe. Um, I also went on the hike with two of my brothers. Okay. So originally the page was set up for just them two at um, £2,000 for 1000 each right. to raise up. But then I joined in, so we moved up to 3000 but we exceeded it. We were past 3500 the last time I checked. So, oh. you know, we it was every penny helped. And, uh, you know, we're just hoping that people just keep supporting, keep donating to this charity. I think there's one thing I want everyone to take from this is when you have five minutes, just read up about the charity, mm. read up about the, the initiative, what they're trying to do in Luton. And I think whenever you whenever you give money, donate to charity, just read up about the charity you're giving it to, what work they're trying to do and mm. get behind it and see what other ways you could support. Now, Friends of Bright Eyes is a charity that you've been fundraising for. Um, and how long have you known about this charity at the Sharm? Is this something that uh, you, a charity that you're familiar with whilst you were growing up? Uh, me, myself, personally, no. Um, so, initially when I got told about the charity, um, I read up about it, and even just like yourself, I was shocked as well that there was no mm. purpose-built centre within Luton. Mm. I mean, we're very lucky as in we have many different um, centres, you know, mm. nearly every year you have community centres that help out, but to see that there's there's no purpose-built centre because there's, there's there's so many disabilities. Mm. I mean, we see we mainly when you think disability, you have certain things where oh, um, a person who who can't walk, a person who has problems with speech. But disabilities are more than some disabilities are not visible mm. that we don't know about. That's why we need a purpose-built centre. We need people in there, specialists that are trained in a variety of different disabilities that could help out and support. Definitely and. I wanted to ask you, Ethesham, um, six days prior to doing the uh, trek, the Three Peaks trek, um, what sort of mindset did you take with you to actually prepare you to get up these three mountains? Now, um, name me those mountains. What were they? Um, ben- the first one was Ben Nevis. Mm-hmm. Then it was Scaffold Pike. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, the first one was no, yeah, yeah, so the first one was Ben Nevis, then it was Scaffold Pike, and then it was uh, Mount Snowden. Wow. So it starts off in the Scotland, in Scotland, then down to England, and then finally one in the Wales. Wow. In 24 hours, and you did this in 23 hours. Um, did you ever think you weren't going to complete this task? Did you ever think, or did your family uh, support you on taking this journey? Did they say, like, are you crazy? Because it to, and it, listening in, it does sound super, super crazy. But you guys have proved it. You've done it. Ed Sharp? I think we've lost him. I think he may have gone off for another hike. Um, we'll connect back to Ed Sharp's call. Oh, Slagum, you're back from your hike. Which <laughs> mountain were you planning to to go up this time? <laughs> That's it. Um, no, I was just saying. Um, Initially, when I took it on and I told everyone, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going on the hike this weekend. Everyone looked at me like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Like, I don't think you understand the, 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 the task and the challenge ahead of you. Uh-huh. This is something people train months and years yeah. for. And you had and, six days. You know, yeah, and I'm just there smiling. It can't be that bad, can it? Um, but uh, initially, I think half an hour into, into the, the walk, um, you know, we were all told to focus on your breathing. Just, you know, mm. focus on your breathing, your strides, you know, take it easy and, uh, you know, get get your pace right and keep at that pace. That was the key thing. If you want to stay on time, stay on track, keep at that pace, keep mm. your breath, uh, breath at a certain speed. 
And about half an hour in, I, I hit a wall. I was literally close to tears. I don't know what I've done to myself. Oh. I can't do this, you know. People train so long, I've underestimated this because, I mean, I've been climbing for half an hour now. And this, the mountain is still in the clouds for me. I, how am I going to reach it? But um, once I got to the first one, the first one completed, and, you know, then all the brothers supporting each other, one another, one, you know, helping each other out, motivating each other to get through it. After that, it was just, just I think it was a determination. We knew people had supported us. We knew the cause we were doing this for, and we decided to come back and make sure we never disappointed anyone. Pushed each other on. I mean, everyone picked up little knocks and injuries. You know, your, your joints are hurting, your ankles are hurting, but you're just thinking, if I could just get just get this mountain done and get the next one done. Mm. And then you just, that's just the focus and getting to that finish line. And when you saw that finish line, it was the best feeling I've had in a long time. Oh, wow, just wow. And um, what were the things that came in your mind when you'd actually got to that finish line? Did you make, did you say anything in particular or did you think of anything in particular? I think it was more that when, when I finished it, firstly, I was, I was a bit shocked. I was like, you know what, I've actually, I can't believe I've actually done mm. this. But then also, you, know, you look around, everyone's got a smile on their face. You know, we've completed this task, but also we've raised so much money mm. that's going to such a good cause. And, you know, hopefully uh, we're, we've already started to plan to maybe possibly do another challenge next year, Mm-mm. get some more funds raised for the charity because we know how crucial this is and have you learned as a whole. Have you learned something about yourself and the fact that what you can achieve? Because th- these were not small little hills. These were huge mountains. I think there's, there's literally, there's, there's a whole world out there that I haven't really seen myself mm. and... Is there will be cha- there's challenges out there, and they're meant to push you, and you won't know how far you can go until you push yourself mm. and go for them. Mm. And it's as simple as that. Until you don't push yourself, you will never know. And is that something that you would maybe suggest to people listening in to actually face certain challenges, kind of push yourself a little bit more, to go out there and do what you've always wanted to do? A hundred percent. I think you know. There's so much out there that we can we just don't know about. So mm. you know, it just takes a bit of research, and you know, I've like I said, I never saw a mountain in the UK before in my life. And the first time I did, I saw the three highest ones, and I walked up and down within 24 hours. Wow! So you can do it. It is doable. Just you just got to keep pushing yourself. You got to stay focused, and you know, it hurts, and emotionally you're drained, physically you're drained. But you just got you just got to keep going, and I promise you, when you look back on it, it's so worth it. Now you spoke about the bond between the brothers that were travelling with you. There was about twenty of them. Um, has this brought you guys closer together? As because are you you're kind of I think you come under the name of the Beardy Hikers. Yeah, yeah. So um, in total, we were almost split into two sort of camps, mm-hmm. like two sort of groups um, travelling up. So the Daily Hikers, that was, um, of course, we were sort of Bilal's group. So we knew each other from before, a few of Bilal's friends. Uh, I'm, so I've lived on the same road as Bilal my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then a few of his cousins. So we were in one group and another group um, with uh, Yasser, who works in charity, and his friends, sort of thing. But, so we, I didn't really know them before the challenge, but as soon as we got on that mountain, we'd see each other wearing the full dress, and that's it. We were you know, motivating each other, mm. come on. You know, we could do this, pull through it together, pushing each other to get there. 
And by the end of it, the bond was really strong because we relied on one another. Because mm. if you are alone and you're climbing up a mountain and it's cold and you're in darkness, mm. it can get tough. So you really need the support of one another there. And some people can't tolerate um, their friends for like more than three hours. You guys were together for 24 hours. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's a task in itself. A hundred percent. I mean, it was just, I mean, when we got back into the cultures, it was just, everyone had a long list of pains and problems that they had from the last mountain. Wow. But, you know, it was, it was just, it was just, everyone knew with every mountain that we, we accomplished, we, you know, like, look, we've done one now. The first one is actually the, the highest one, so the main thing was, look, we've, we've done the highest one possible. Mm-hmm. It could only be easier, but it, it did probably get harder, but it was like, it was just pushing one another on, you know, helping each other out. And, you know, Wow. Now, folks, if you just tuned in, you are listening to no other than Ethersham um, Khan, who is one of the 20 brothers that participated in the Three Peaks Challenge. The whole purpose was to climb up um, England, Scotland and Wales' highest mountains within 24 hours. A challenge, the whole purpose of the challenge was to fundraise much needed money for Friends of Bright Eyes, a charity very much known very much loved but doesn't have a actual um center for the care of the children um that and for the families respite care for the disabled children in our community so the whole purpose of this uh challenge was to fundraise for this center a dedicated center now the sham is on the phone with me this morning and he's been sharing his experience which has been absolutely phenomenal um he's taken time out of his working uh working hour and thank you so very much for doing that at the sham now on today's show at the sham we're also kind of um talk continuing with our student life feature student fortnight and um i wanted to ask you about your experiences as a student did you go to university uh, no, I didn't. So when I was come out of college, I was sort of in that. I was sort of thinking, deciding, should I go uni, should I not? Mm-hmm. For me, it was unless I have a specialist topic that I wanted to study in university. There's no point going. You know, it is an expensive thing. I mean, right. great getting a degree, you know, but you got to make sure that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'd wait for an apprenticeship that I like. Oh, and okay. I found one at Santander, which um, was an 18 month apprenticeship in financial crimes so i've worked in multiple areas and uh, i completed it approximately two months ago and since then i've got a full-time job at santander mashallah the corporate office of london so wow so you are climbing the staircase of financial analysm whatever that is tell me more <laughs> about this post um so you actually didn't follow the the, the typical route you went down an apprenticeship route you did you have to go? Was it a tough process to get onto this apprenticeship? And where did you get the information from? So um, I was just I had a part time job on the side, so I was there as I worked one day, just looking online for apprenticeships. And I see this. I didn't really know what a financial crime analyst was or what this whole field was, but I took a um, there was a few online tests, just the normal um, situational ones. Took them and I called in for an interview. And of course, you've got competency-based questions. Then you have a, mm. you have a, a whole scenario-based uh, questions as well, uh, just to see how you how you're thinking. And um, got offered the role 
you know, I took it with both hands because, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm getting certificates and anti-money laundering. I'm, I'm getting an apprenticeship on that, and I'm also getting paid. Therefore, I could, you know, provide for myself. Like, I could pay my own bills, I help out at home. I could be my own man mm. at a young age mm. and take you on. Um, and then, so then from there, you know, I was lucky as in they let you work in multiple different teams. Okay. And whichever one you like the most is where you, you know that you want to, this is the career you want to pursue, you take it on there. So currently I work for the sanctioned screening team. Mm-hmm. So I'll be looking at corporate payments uh, against the sanctions list. And if there's any hits, I have to try to discount them to the best of my ability. They can't be to go back to the client and so far and so forth. So it's quite an exciting job then for you. Um, it sounds like a very strong title, a very like financial crime analyst. Is this something that you always wanted to be when you were older? Um, it sounds quite superhero. Uh, <laughs> it does. And can I ask you, how old you are, Hitham? I'm uh, 20 years old. 20 years old, mashallah. Still very young. And, um, but you, Ed Sham is somebody who didn't go down the typical route of a university education. He decided to do apprenticeship, mashallah. He's landed in a role that he's very happy with, it sounds. Um, and now the journey is just all the way up. You're just climbing that ladder, climbing that mountain. Exactly. Where do you see yourself, Ed Sham, in the next couple of years? I get asked this quite a bit. Um, I'm, I'm not really one of them long-term thinking or very short-term. I like mm-hmm. setting myself uh, small goals, mm-hmm. achieving it, mm-hmm. next goal. So, um, you know, it's, it's been quite um, quite an experience because, you know, I'm, I'm now 20 and I've, I really love love Luton. So I like having that, uh, you know, London for me was, you know, is a big city. It's just mm-hmm. way too busy. But I've started to work in London and mm-hmm. since then, you know, I love it. I love that that fast-paced life. So in the next couple of years, I don't know, hopefully we could, we'll, I don't know what, what the future holds for me, mm-hmm. but um, we'll see as it comes. Now, this is interesting because there are a lot of young people in Luton who've never actually visited London or left the town. Would you suggest that, you know, what everybody should try and make, take the opportunity to see beyond their hometown to see what's going on out there in the world? A hundred percent. I think there's, there's a whole world out there that we need to we need to explore and you know not everything for us you love your hometown mm. you know is all you know growing up you're you know anywhere you go you're at comfort but you need to go outside your comfort zone you need to see that fast-paced city life and mm. how it works and eventually you know it does take a bit of time to get used to but when you get used to it an amazing experience and it helps with growth and that growth is something that you were able to embrace because you took that challenge you're not frightened of challenges which is really quite interesting um, about Yedasham the fact that you climbed up these three mountains within 23 hours to raise money for Friends of Bright Eyes and you took the challenge you took a risk doing an apprenticeship because normally people are or you know the normal thing in society is to go to down the university route um, apprenticeships are a new phenomena that a lot of young people are actually embracing and taking on board and are doing quite well. So any advice you could give to young people listening in that are possibly listening to the repeat of the show this evening or the parents are listening in are regarding apprenticeships? Yeah, I think, I think look, university is a great option. You know, when you get that degree, that feeling, you know, probably one of the best feelings in your life you'll ever get. But also, the best thing about apprenticeship is you are getting 
educated, you will get qualifications, you will get work experience, and you'll be getting paid at the same time. You know, it's almost ticking all the boxes that you need. You know, mm. sometimes you get qualifications, but you don't have the experience, so you have the experience with the qualifications. So you're getting both at the same time. Um, you know, you're getting used to that working lifestyle and basing your life around work sort of thing. And I think the most important thing is, you know, sit down with your family, see what's best for you. Mm. You know, really, whatever you do, you need to put your heart into it. You need to give mm. effort into it. So you need to take, take a few deep breaths, think about the decision you're going to make, make sure it's right for you mm-hmm. and what you're happy with and what you want to pursue. As long as you're happy with something, we'll give you effort into it and that's where you get the best results. And you're happy with the journey that you're on right now, Sham. Yeah, I'm more than happy. I'm, I was really lucky. You know, I feel like I stumbled upon an opportunity and, you know, I took it with both hands and, you know, I'm grateful to this day. Mashallah, mashallah. Could I quickly ask what you did at, um, at college? What did you study? I studied business, IT and law. Business, IT and law. Um, and you did that, uh, was that Luton Sixth Form or...? Yeah, so business, IT and law, you went on an apprenticeship um, and mashallah, now you're you're a financial crime analyst. How awesome is that? Thank you so very much, Edisham. I don't want to keep you any further um, in your working uh, time, um, but uh, thank you so much for doing what you've done and uh, congratulations on completing the challenge and congratulations on your future career goals as well. Thank you very much for having me. You're very, very welcome. Now, that was Ed the Sham um, Khan, who shared with us his experience of doing the Three Peaks Challenge, which he successfully completed within 24 hours. He actually did it in 23 hours and something seconds. He also talked about being going on an apprenticeship, mashallah, and now he is a financial crime analyst for a very well-known company in the city of London. Um, he did BTEX, or I believe there were BTEX at... Um, Luton Sixth Form and look where he is now so any opportunity is a good opportunity you just need to find them um, I it's the end of the show guys catch a repeat at 8pm thank you so very much for joining me this uh, morning and have a blessed week ahead Assalamu alaikum thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton